This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Sucker Sub. Go listen. I'm Banter. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Now pay me. Pay me in cash, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending the Soccer Subs Podcast, the number one podcast covering soccer in New York City and all over the world. Let's give it up for Ronnie. Let's give it up for Christian. And let's give it up for you, the Soccer yeah. Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 25. My name is Ronnie. I'm your host. I'm joined here by my three Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian, Hugh, Eric. For the soccer fans, this is a special edition Champions League episode. Super excited for this crossover episode with two of our favorite podcasts that we genuinely enjoy and call our friends. Super excited to have on with us the Lads Podcast and Campfire Football. Before we introduce them, fellas, how you guys doing? Episode 25. Episode 25, a special episode. Well, first one, uh, it, this one's going to go to uh, Antonio Valencia, who just retired from football, number 25. And what an honor to have uh, two of my favorite podcasters, Kevin, Sebastian. It truly is a pleasure to have you guys here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, Christian did all the introduction. I, you know, I, I got nothing <laughs> else to say. But, you know, it's, it's really great to be here. And I'm glad we finally got to do a crossover episode because I've been looking forward to this for a long time. All right. Episode 25. It's good to be back. You know, last episode I had a break, unfortunately, but you know, hey, we're back. We got a crossover and I'm excited to get talking. Yes, sir. We got our boy Eric back. And for the soccer fans, this is a special edition Champions League episode. Like we mentioned, we got two of our favorite podcasts joining us. First one is Sebastian North. We call him Campfire Football, joining us all the way from Denver, Colorado. And the Lads podcast, Kevin Pettit, joining us from Boston. I'll let them do a quick intro. Uh, Sebastian, I'll start off with you first, man. Please intro yourself, anything you want to say, your teams that you support, all that stuff. Yeah, well, Sebastian North, I live in Denver, Colorado. I do Campfire Football is my podcast. Started it on Christmas Day of 2020, actually. And I'll, I'll actually just say I started mostly because during the year of watching football like nonstop every single day, I got pretty tired of listening to certain people, uh, mostly certain commentators. Uh, we can get into naming names later. I'm not actually opposed <laughs> to that at all. Uh, but and decided that there had to be some of us out there that didn't see the game that way. And so in starting to join it, found the community, found you guys, love your guys' show, love the guests you guys have been able to bring on, and then being able to just, you know, now be able to do a cross collab and see the way our different opinions and predictions over the course of the season has gone has been a whole ton of fun. So, yeah, really pleased to be here and excited to hash out some Champions League football, right? For sure, Sebastian. Thank you so much for being on with us, man. Long overdue. Super excited for this one. And uh, yeah, I'll introduce Kevin Pettit from the Lads Podcast. We've been following this guy. We love his memes. Kevin, pleasure to have you on. Please intro yourself, the teams you support. Give us the quick background on yourself. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, having me on, you know, and thanks for getting me in touch with Sebastian. Now we follow each other on social media. So, you know, this is a big community here, the soccer community, the meme uh, podcast community. Uh, yeah. So our show is Loud Americans Discussing Soccer or Lads, because that's way too 
freaking long. Uh, I do it with my buddy Martin. Uh, he is a Manchester United fan. I'm an Arsenal fan, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We drink beer. We, you know, do lots of memes and fun stuff. And we have a big Discord, a big community that we've built up. And, uh, you know, it's it's just been a lot of fun. You know, we have a few laughs, a few beers, and, uh, you know, we just uh, shoot the shot. You know what I mean? So it's really, it's a good good thing to have us on. And I thank you again for having me. This is awesome. Pleasure to have you on with us, Kevin. Of course, long overdue. And yeah, for the Soccer Subs fans, we're super excited. Definitely check these guys out on Instagram. We'll, we'll give you their handles later on. For the soccer fans, we're a week and a half away from the Champions League final. We got Man City versus Chelsea. It's going to be a heck of a game. First things first, we want to focus on are on these two teams. Obviously, these two teams had a crazy road to the Champions League final. You know, we had, of course, Chelsea beating Atletico Madrid, Porto. Real Madrid and Man City having to go through Manchin Gladbach, Dortmund, PSG. So these two teams had their work cut up for them. So, you know, without further ado, we kind of want to get into the journey of these two teams, what they should look out for each other. We want to break down the Champions League final for the soccer fans. Our first question is really focusing on the journey of the team. We're just going to dive right into it. I want to start off with one of our soccer subs, Eric, who I feel like sets the tone for the rest of the, the show here. Eric, I'll start off with you, man. I want to ask you, you know, if you could just quickly say if one team had had a more more of a journey from, from the other one, and which one had it harder, and just what do you think on the final overall? Well, I mean, hey, I, you know, first and foremost, props to both teams, you know. I did call it episode 23. I, I was praying that we don't get an FA Cup final for the UCL, and hey, guess what? I was another prediction gone wrong, you know, but hey, we got it, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> no, 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 but if you ask me who had the most difficult journey, I definitely, in my opinion, it has to be Chelsea, you know. Uh, you know, you had Lampard leave halfway into the season. Thomas Tuchel has done a fantastic job for this club. And he, he really turned it around for them. To get to the final, it was no easy feat. You know, you had to face Spanish giants, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, mind you, who are top of the table in La Liga. So you're not facing any, you know, fourth place, sixth place, Borussia Gladbach or, you know, Dortmund, as good as those two teams are. Uh, but, yeah, Chelsea definitely, in my opinion, had the difficult journey. Now, as far as what I think about the final, um, I think, oh, man, I don't want to be wrong with another prediction, but I, I have City winning it. I, I have City winning it. But it's definitely going to be an entertaining game. As, uh, you know, hey, we had City-Chelsea just two matchups not too long ago. It's third time's a charm, maybe. No, you never know. 100%, Eric. And Hugh, as a resident Real Madrid fan, just want to get your quick takes before we turn it over to our special guest. Uh, Hugh wanted to get your thoughts on who you feel probably had a little harder on the journeys of the two teams real quick. Well, I have to agree that it was Chelsea because if I admit that we didn't give Chelsea a hard game in the semifinal, then I, 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 I wouldn't be a good Madrid fan. I mean, I'm still I'm still like we should have won that second leg of the semifinal because we we played such good advanced like tight passing squeezing press played very very well in that first half and we just missed out on one or two last balls we missed out on one or two finishing touches which I mean honestly there's not there's not I mean I can't do anything about it now and I, I well really I couldn't do anything about it then but you know I'd love to think that we really put them under some stress and made it difficult for them that said I think that City did not have a particularly easy road to the final anyways. You know, they had to come up against some decent teams. I mean, obviously, PSG is no, no, no schmuck team, right? Like, you're coming up against the most expensive players in the world. You're coming up against some of the most experienced players in the world. So 
I think it's a little bit difficult to say one team's had it easier, one team's had it harder. But like Eric said, Chelsea's had a harder year overall. But when it comes to opposition in the Champions League, Chelsea, you know, I mean, Atleti was bleeding points in La Liga when they played Chelsea, uh, when they played Chelsea, right? Real Madrid were like stressing about both La Liga and the Champions. Okay, no, I'm not going to make excuses. We just played poorly against them. But, you know, I think City had harder teams on paper, but I think Chelsea had a lot more difficult matches that really shouldn't have been that hard, but the teams that they came up against were really, really good. And I think Porto is is the best example of that. They put in a really good showing against a Chelsea team that was on paper supposed to beat them by miles, but Oliveira, you know, sort of moved the ball well in the midfield, forced it out wide. Obviously he was controlled well by, by, by the midfield and Conte, but at the end of the day, Chelsea did well. And I think if they can keep that momentum going, there's a chance that they can win the final. That said, it's sort of hard to keep momentum when there's a three week break. So I'm not exactly sure I could I could put my finger on anything. And the, the FA Cup certainly doesn't help anything. So I think it's sort of a toss up, especially since it's a one legged game. It's a final. I think they're pretty evenly matched. And we saw that at the weekend fixture. So I, I, I really can't call it, but I'll say Chelsea just for the sake of going against Eric. 100% here. Thanks for that. Uh, let me turn it over to one of our special guests. Let me turn it over to Sebastian North. Uh, Sebastian, if you could just kind of give us your thoughts on just, uh, you know, if any team had it a little harder than the other and just kind of your, your thoughts on the upcoming match. Well, I think it's really hard to actually look at like which teams had what harder because in all of this, over the course of a season, we forget who was injured when. We forget maybe what what difficult period they were going through at what time. I think back on Man City at the beginning of the season, the Premier League, and they were struggling in a lot of ways to really pick up points. And I don't really remember them much in the Champions League group stage because it it was all, it was kind of methodical that they didn't have the most difficult group. And Chelsea, I thought, were actually quite impressive in the group stage. I mean, we we all remember that, that Olivier Giroud hat trick, 4-0 win against Sevilla. And they were, they were genuinely impressive in the group stage. And then you, you saw Atleti and, you know, you wondered, how's this really going to go? As a Chelsea fan, I actually, from even when Lampard was in charge, I really was like, Letty, I'm fine with that. I mean, they are they are going to sit, and we have a, enough young players that are dumb enough to just keep attacking and scoring some goals. And we have, I mean, the thing is, the squad that Chelsea have is outrageously deep. doesn't matter if Lampard or Tuchel is man- managing the ship. It is a deep, deep machine. So... Eventually, Tuchel comes in and makes it all look actually kind of easy. But here's what I'll say about the Real Madrid semifinal. That would be an even encounter between Chelsea and Real Madrid were it not for one player. And uh, that's this guy in the video right here, right above my finger. N'Golo Kante. Just look, you know. Don't feel bad if you're a Real Madrid fan. We had 12 dudes on the field. You know, I'm a Chelsea fan. We had 12 guys on the field. You had 11. Sorry. I mean, that's what we get because we have Mingolo Cante. And he he actually was subbed off, I think, in 32 minutes or even 27 minutes today against Leicester. So either that's massively precautionary, but he was feeling something. Look, I think Man City have had to fight demons to get to this point. As a club, I think Pep Guardiola, I don't think there really is some kind of hoodoo on him not being able to win it outside of Barcelona or without Messi. I just, I think that 
The Champions League is an incredibly difficult competition to win. And as a Chelsea fan, I look at it as the only year we won was probably the weakest of all of the years where we were marching towards semifinal after semifinal and finals. The year we won it was just like, you know, just surviving one leg after another in each round. And so there's that, I think there may be that sense among the Chelsea fans that, wow, we've gotten to this point again and we can do it. But the makeup of the players is totally different. And I, I, uh, I see kind of unfortunately because of how quality the managers are at anticipating every possible eventuality that the other one might throw at them, we might see a really cagey game. And the only thing that can save that is individual moments of just magic or brilliance. And that's what finals need. So unless we want, you know, 2002 AC against Juve, whatever it was, that was nil-nil, went to penalties. If you fell asleep in the first minute and woke up in the 120th, you didn't miss a thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we avoid that. Although I have to say, after the whole Aguero-Panenka thing, I would love for this game to go to a shootout for some reason and just see who's got the most nerve and balls because in the end, these are two high-quality sides, high-quality managers. It's going to be cagey. I'm hoping for goals. I'm hoping for some kind of drama and not not for VAR or the officials to take any kind of center stage. That's, that's big for me. So I'll go ahead and make a prediction, and I'll just go fan-hearted and just say Chelsea because there's not that much to lose and – and I will say, Chelsea firmly, if N'Golo Kante is on the field, they win. If he's not, uh, I actually may edge for City. That's that's how I'll go. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, Sebastian. Uh, I mean, Chelsea went through PKs already against Man U, and it didn't go well. So I don't well, know if you want to reconsider that. <laughs> yeah, well, just don't let Antonio Ruger uh, put on his turfs in the rain and uh, wherever, Port Portugal, wherever it's going to be, right? Just uh, make sure that whoever's hitting that final PK, they've got like, studs this long so they don't pull a john terry and go <laughs> on their ass miss a ball uh, i heard a lot of great takes uh from everyone uh i think uh eric mentioned a good one especially when he said uh you know lampard being fired and then tuchel coming in uh, i think that must have been really really tough for any team i do like uh you know i do like both teams' chances. I think both teams have great weapons in the way they can uh, they can beat each other. I just have to. I mean, we're probably gonna get into that now. Uh, might as well just do that, I guess. Um, I think when you when you talk about Chelsea, you have to talk about their defensive organization, and it starts with Rudiger uh, because I mean he seems like a maniac on the field, and I mean that in the in the best way possible because um, he's um, he's a leader. He's also ordering the back line with Thiago Silva and Christensen. Uh, and I do like that middle formation where they can, you know, they can sit back with uh, the two side players with Chilwell and uh, Spilicueta. One of the things that Tuchel has said is that I don't want to let the opposing team attack me on my third final of the, of the field. You know, we, we win or we lose the game in the midfield. And, and that's one of the things uh, that, uh, that, that, 
Sebastian mentioned before about Angolo Kante. You have players like uh, Jorginho being able to win the ball and create uh, in the buildup. So calm and so good in the ball movement. Uh, and then you have people combining. I know there are a lot of jokes about Timo Werner, but he is a really good team player when he combines with uh, with these two midfielders. Um And Mason Mount is such a creative player that uh, with his speed, he can get through defenses and, you know, really break teams down. I I think this would be a perfect game for Christian Pulisic. I'm not saying just because we're in America, uh, but what he has been showing the past few games, just as a sub, his intensity, his control, his decision-making, uh, I think I would really see, need to see more minutes of him on the field. And I think they have a good chance. Uh, but then again, you know, Guardiola has been dominating uh, the, the Premier League, dominating in the, in the Champions League. Uh, you know, you, you, you can go 21 games unbeaten and then, uh, you know, not expect them to not perform. And one of the things that I do have to say is that with City, they're their own enemy because I've seen it. I saw it today against Brighton. I've seen it before against uh, other teams. Uh, the way they get scored on is, first of all, in uh, aerial duels. They get a lot of uh, headers in, just like Marquinho did, just like Brighton did today. Uh, one of the things, like silly mistakes, and Guardiola has mentioned that, uh, Rodri giving bad passes. I remember there was one moment where uh, Ederson sends the ball to Silva, and he's like crowded with players. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And they counter, and they almost scored. So then Walker, the same thing. I think there was one play in the, in the semifinal where he thinks the ball is going to go out and he doesn't run for it. And then there, there's a cross in and that's that famous penalty that wasn't called that after VAR that wasn't, uh, uh, that didn't allow it. But those are the little things that they need to watch out for. Um, I've also heard Guardiola said that, you know, this is new. This is a new stage for Man City because they don't have any history in the Champions League. Um, so... Whenever you're in a new situation, uh, a lot of thoughts can come in, but you have to remember the way you play. Um, you have to believe in yourself with the responsibility that you're playing a final. And I think that's going to be crucial. The mentality, uh, how they're going to go in, the intensity, and I think aggressively and defensively, they're going to, you know, they're, they're a well-performing team. And I, I, I believe that they're going to win the Champions League. And I'm going to bet my hair on it too, uh, Sebastian. Hey, Christian, thank you for that. Yeah, man, that, that sets us up for pretty much our next round on this question. Um, overall, we're looking at Chelsea's strengths versus Man City's strengths and what are some qualities of, of each team that each team should look out for each other. Uh, let me turn over to Eric real quick. Um, you know, Eric, if you're Thomas Tuchel, uh, your boy, who, what would you be looking out from Pep? And vice versa, if you're Pep, what would you be looking out from Thomas Tuchel? You know, uh, I've actually been thinking about this for a while now. I think... Uh, one of Chelsea's biggest strengths at the moment is without a doubt has to be Thomas Tuchel. I know, I mean, I know he's not a player on the field, but just his presence there as a coach is just unbelievable. I mean, thinking of it now, are we really surprised that Chelsea made it so far? I mean, yes, it is a surprise at the end of the day, but we're talking about Thomas Tuchel who took PSG to the final last year. So I'm thinking of it now, like, Hey, that's, that's really like, I'm not surprised at all. Now, definitely for sure, Thomas Tuchel's tactics. He's a great technician, great player manager. Uh, I would, if I'm Pep, I, oh man, Pep, he's a fantastic coach. The thing is, he sometimes overthinks things too much. And just that, 
bit of overthinking and whether, whether it be a tactic, whether it be a substitution, whether it be playing a player out of position to, you know, just <laughs> try to show us a moment of brilliance. It just, sometimes it may backfire. Chelsea, oh man, look, I want City to win. Chelsea win this tie if Werner is scoring. I cannot emphasize that enough. Werner is very crucial to this Chelsea side winning. I, I Defensively, he... Thomas Tuchel sorted out the defensive issues. No big deal. Diago Silva, fantastic. Rudiger has been amazing since Tuchel came in. Mason Mount in the midfield. Oh, magic. Kante, oh my goodness. Kante, he's just oh, he's just a workhorse. He never stops running. Now, don't get me wrong. City aren't uh, people to sleep on. The depth on that team is unbelievable. You know, you have they, they have their own young English talent and Phil Foden, who's just amazing. The confidence this player has is just unbelievable. Like, how is he so young and so talented? You have Aguero, Gabriel Jesus. You have the defensive partnership of John Stones and Ruben Diaz, who has been amazing this season. Yes, they have their, you know, moments of lapse, but they've been amazing. You have the midfield of Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne, this is your time to shine, a moment like this in a final. And honestly, I think City just edges them out on more strengths just because of that depth. 100%, Eric. Yeah, let me pass it over to you real quick. Here, real quick, just on... Uh strengths from me team and you know if you're Thomas Tuchel would you be looking out for Pep and vice versa Pep looking out from Thomas Tuchel I mean in terms of them it's it's sort of funny because usually when you think of finals with like you know big managers against one another you usually are like okay let's get out the the history books and let's see like you know how have their teams played against each other you know how have they how have they done against teams managed by the other guy in the past and the issue is because Tuchel is such a newer manager you don't really have that in setup for this so I think in in all honesty I think Pep's job is a little bit harder going into this final because he has to develop a game plan against a coach who he really only has six months of material on because you know, I mean, obviously Tuchel has similarities between how he managed PSG and how he's managing Chelsea, but he was only at PSG for a relatively short amount of time anyways. And there's a lot of difficulties to managing PSG as a team. So Pep and his guys have six months of footage to look at. And, you know, they've played them once, right? In, in like the, in, recent enough time that it would be it would be feasible to say you know this is something close to what they're going to be doing in the final so I think Pep's job is going to be very difficult in that Tuchel has you know nine or ten years worth of Pep managing teams and managing them in finals um whereas Pep has a year to study for Tuchel and like half of that to study for him at Chelsea that said, I do think City, I do agree with Eric in that City sort of edges out on paper, position by position. Um, not just not like that's not to say that Chelsea doesn't edge out in, in a lot of positions themselves, but I just think if you're looking at defensive line versus defensive line and then front three versus front, well, not front three, but like attacking set versus attacking set, City takes them by, you know, by the, the slimmest of margins. Great. I'll give, I'll give Chelsea the midfield battle. But I just think City have more power on the attacking front. And I'm, I'm counting Kevin De Bruyne as an attacker and and not sort of as a 
whatever as a as a like attacking midfielder because I think he plays much more of an attacking center forward role. So I think Tuchel's job is to just play how he's been playing and keep like City under control the same way he was able to keep Madrid under control. Again, that's not to say that they're the same team, but like have Conte do the work that he can do in the middle of the field, right? And have the fullbacks press, have the line move the way it needed to move against Real Madrid to keep them contained and not allow for long balls in over the back. Because I mean, that's how we beat Liverpool, right? So, you know, keep that sort of amorphous shape at the back and that will have them squeezing City. But, you know, Pep's job is to just suit up, go out for a final and play it like, every other final he's coached. And I think there's there's a lot of drive from some of these players to win. And I think especially someone like Aguero, who might not even start, but will be a leader off the bench. And, and someone like Phil Foden, who, I mean, Phil Foden seems to get better every game that, you know, he's he's put under pressure by the media or he's put under pressure by, by, by fans. So I think you're going to have a lot of guys who really, really want to win it for City. And and granted, I mean, they, they exist too for Chelsea, but with City, you've got a lot of guys who have like way too much to prove, even though they've like, like Ferran Torres has, has proved himself, but he still like needs to do something. Ruben Diaz, uh, Phil Foden, you know, the Chelsea side of things, Werner, Havertz, like I, I, I don't know. I feel like that sort of needing to prove themselves has worn off, but not in the right way. It's, and this is a discussion for another time, but I feel like it's, it's worn off in the sense that they've sort of been stunted enough to the fact that they've already proven themselves as not that great for Chelsea right now. So that they need to then build it up. They don't have to live up to expectations anymore. They now have to fight back against like bad expectations. So city, there's just a lot of that mentality that they need to win this. Whereas with Chelsea, I don't know how much of that exists. But then again, I think some of it exists to a point enough where they still could. Let's pass it over to Sebastian North real quick. Uh, Sebastian, just talk real quick on just strengths from each team. And if you're Thomas Tuchel, what would you be looking at from Pep? And vice versa, if you're Pep, what would you be looking at from Thomas Tuchel? Yeah, um, I thought the, the, the comment about how Tuchel, he doesn't want to defend in front of his own goal. He wants to defend in the midfield. He wants to win the game or lose the game in the middle. I First of all, I love that style I, I i prefer that myself um i believe your midfielders should either win or lose the game for you in terms of creating the impetus right and giving you control so a couple here's a question i have rodri or fernandinho uh you're not going to play both you're gonna have to choose one uh what was it? i think he chose fernandinho in the last time they played and you can see what fernandinho brings uh it's it's slightly different than what Rodri brings. And I also think that in games past, Rodri has been so key because for some reason, and this is my huge complaint I had about Lampard, is that he would not stick whoever was playing center forward on Rodri. So Rodri would just receive the ball, invite some pressure, and then distribute. And then you would just get boom, 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 Phil Foden, whoever, and just a, a connection. So I don't think Tuchel will fall into that trap. I think he'll do a much, much better job of essentially just crowding out the midfield. I'm curious to see what he chooses to do uh, because he loves Mateo Kovacic, but you start N'Golo Kante if he's fit, and it looks like Tuchel, Tuchel finds Jorginho undroppable. So I'm very curious to see what happens there considering Mason Mount is who he is. 
And then you need wingers. You need like guys like Christian Pulisic. You need a forward. And he's, I, I can see him very much going with Werner. I can see him deciding Havertz, maybe. But Werner seems to play every game, whether he plays terribly or not. So I think at this point, we're just, we've just assumed Werner's going to start. Uh, so that, I think, how, how Chelsea can sort of sort out, if it's Rodri or Fernandinho, how you can stop the tempo setter. And then, of course, the defense is going to need to be able to handle Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, and they're they're very, very difficult. So, you know, can the defenders win those 1v1 battles for Chelsea and, and control the midfield? That's going to be huge. From a Chelsea perspective in terms of what Man City is going to hurt you with, it's brilliance. It's terrific players. The not just most creative, but also most correct decision. Something that we know about and we see with Kevin De Bruyne a lot. Phil Foden has been, frankly, astonishing in the last in the last couple months. And really, when I look at these two teams, I also think there is that that need for Man City. I think the road has been a long time coming. And Chelsea, I mean, from a fan's perspective, probably not the player's perspective, but from a fan's perspective, you're like, wow. I mean, we know we had the team to get here, but there was a topsy-turvy season, so you didn't think necessarily. I just think that, it's going to, it is going to be won or lost in the midfield in terms of control, but then brilliant players have to step up. If anyone watched Chelsea Leicester today, Chelsea could and should have scored on a bunch more occasions than they did, especially in the first half. And so, and Chelsea have a very clear record over the last few weeks of just not finishing quality chances. And Man City, they are far more efficient this season than we've ever seen them before. So I think that that's going to be another really interesting piece. Maybe Kevin De Bruyne is a difference. How hungry he's looked recently as a leader, really, it, it could be that. But I want to actually just throw out one maybe comical, sort of topical also uh, possibility. We saw Allison go and be a hero this week for Liverpool as a goalkeeper. What if the best penalty taker at Man City takes the final penalty to win? And we all know I'm talking about Ederson, of course. What about that for a story to close out the Champions League final? That's that's where I can go. I that would be epic. That would be epic. <laughs> hey, Sebastian, thank you so much for that. Uh, Kevin, let me pass it on to you real quick. If you want to just quickly talk on uh, strengths from each team. If you're Thomas Tuchel, what would you be looking at from Pep? And if you're Pep, what would you be looking at from Thomas Tuchel? <laughs> so if I am uh, Pep... No, I'll start with Tuchel. Uh, it's all about controlling that midfield. Obviously, we've been talking about Nagola Conte a lot today, but I mean, he's going to have his work cut out for him because who exactly is in the midfield? When he played against PSG, he had Kevin De Bruyne playing a false nine. I think Nagola Conte is going to have his hands completely filled. Uh, I think Sebastian bringing up the point about Fernandinho uh, versus Rodri is incredible, uh, especially because Fernandinho what is he 36 and he put out a masterclass against PSG. Can you guarantee that against Chelsea? I, I think there's a lot of questions there. And Rian Mares again, a brace in the last match. He's been absolutely on fire during this champions league campaign. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really difficult. I think Mason Mount, you guys have mentioned, is a great shout. I hope he starts for the Euros. I hope Gareth, well, he's Gareth Southgate and Frank Lampard's son together somehow. And I feel as though, you know, he's going to be causing issues. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Even though it might be broke, Timo Warner's probably going to start. I don't know. I would love to see Christian Pulisic get back in there, but I don't understand Tuchel's thoughts on him. Um, 
I don't know. I, I go back to what uh, Sebastian was saying, too, is that Man City, it just feels like it's destined. It's about time. It is their final to win. But the bigger part I'm thinking of is, like, who's more to lose? I feel as though if Tuchel doesn't win this and ends up in fifth place and just lost the FA Cup, I feel as though could he get sacked? And I know that's a crazy thing to say, and I don't agree with it. But knowing this Chelsea board, knowing Abramovich, that's a real possibility, I feel as though. That is how crazy the Chelsea ownership is and that that we could be talking about that after the expectations being nothing and going to an FA Cup final, a Champions League final, which for Arsenal, that that we would be signing that manager to a lifelong deal. We would be given the Arsene Wenger treatment. He would have a statue, but at Chelsea, there's different standards. That's where we talk about standards and teams. Chelsea is on another level. They have exceeded all other expectations as a club. Um, so for me, I feel as though Man City are more hungry for it. Kevin De Bruyne, a lot of these players, Chelsea's still so young. You have some older players at, uh, Man City who have been dying to get this Champions League chance. Sergio Aguero to go out at, with a bang, to go out what he promised back when they won their first title that he will stay at the club till they won the Champions League final. I feel like it's more romantic for him to win it and for Pep to, you know, win his first Champions League title since being at Barcelona, so... Hey, Kevin, you're not far off, man. I definitely know the owner, the Chelsea owner, you know, he's all about results right now. So you're not too far off and probably seeing if, you know, if if Thomas Tuchel loses this final, you know, we we could possibly be talking that on the next episode. (laughs) And Kevin, love the transition. You set it up perfectly for us for our next question. You know, which team has the most pressure to win this game? Our boy, Eric, let me start off with you real quick. I feel like, Kevin, you just answered the question. So, Eric, I'll start off with you on the next one on that one. Oh, man, I'm actually stuck on this, to be honest. Look. It can go all wrong for Chelsea or it can go all right. They can win Champions League, secure Champions League for next season, but they can drop out of the top four race. Or vice versa, they can lose the UCL final, lose their last game, and boom, they're out of Champions League. I don't believe uh, Thomas Tuchel will get sacked at all. City, on the other hand, it's been a long time coming. You know, the amount of money they've spent... Guardiola, I think if he loses this final, there's a lot of pressure on him in terms of can he do, can he win outside of Barcelona? You know, will he stay at City past this year if he doesn't win it? One final thing, I think City, an added pressure to them is that no one expected Chelsea to come to the final. And the last type of opponent you want to face in a final is an underdog. Someone who really doesn't have much to lose. It's it's overachieving if they win it at, in the first place. Getting to the final is an overachievement for Chelsea at this point. I mean, when they started, when, when Tuchel started for them. So I definitely think all the pressure is on City to win this, and they, I, I they have to stick to their guns, and hopefully they they get the result out. One hundred percent, Eric. Thanks for that, Hugh. I'll pass it off to you real quick. Which team has the most pressure to win? I'll keep this one short because my last two takes were a little bit long, but um, I think City is under the pressure in the sense that. Everyone, like Eric said, expected them to be in this position, expected them to be able to win this game and get here. And Chelsea, no one expected the beginning of this season really for them to be in this position at all. That said, Chelsea does have the historical pressure to try to put at least a fight up in this game, right? Like Chelsea's won Champions Leagues in the past. And granted, it's not the most out of any English team or anything like that. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you know, they've, hey, they've, but they have one, they have one for sure. Exactly. They're, they've won their, they've won their fair share. Um, but I think city are really in the hot seat in terms of winning this game and Chelsea are not, which then makes it that much easier for Chelsea to pull off an upset when they don't have people 
expecting them to win. They don't have like Jamie Carragher slandering them on on TV saying, you know, if they lose this game, you know, they're never going to be the same for that. Like, no, they don't have that pressure. City does. So I think Chelsea winning an upset could be very possible. And that's I think it might happen. Oh, thanks for that, Hugh. Our boy Sebastian North. Got to get your thoughts on uh, which t- which team has the most pressure. I think the club with the most pressure is Man City because it's been a long, long build. They don't have a Champions League trophy in their locker. Chelsea do. So Chelsea have one. That's it. I mean, Man City have zero. So that's I'd say that's the the initial reason. I, I also like to think about maybe a smaller story here. There's no one in the Chelsea squad who was there for the last one, but their longest serving player uh, that they currently have, Cesar Aspilicueta, joined the year right after they won it. So then you have Sergio Aguero, who has been here, seen it, done it, done everything, seen every single shred of success this club has had, really. And I think those are two players, Aspi and Aguero, who would have a lot to say about who's got more to lose in terms of them and who's got more to win. So I, I always like to think about individual stories too here because those tend to come out when a final is won. We start to look back at who also had this huge long route. And these are two guys who deserve enormous credit. And I wouldn't be opposed to seeing either one of them get some level of real heroic shine from this game. But yeah, I, I, I do think Man City as a club currently at present moment have more to lose and i will also say tuchel's not going anywhere he's bought it he's running on house money right now at chelsea because of today because as long as he beats villa as long as he beats villa and qualifies for the champions league you know they don't care about the fa cup champions league would be a sore one but they know they can go back again next year because roman's got the bucks Short and sweet. Appreciate that, Sebastian. Kevin, let me just get your take real quick on uh, uh, which team has the most pressure to win for the Champions League. Yeah, no, I just, uh, when I was finishing my last one, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I I would go with City again. Like, I think everyone's kind of going around the bases about it to say, hey, who has one, who has, who doesn't? (laughs) And I feel as though, you know, it's a long time coming for Pep too. All those years he spent at Bayern, he couldn't get it done. 100%, 100%, yeah, for sure. And I feel as though, you know, Chelsea are or, you know, started off with a bad hand in poker and they've played themselves in somehow. (laughs) And Man City have just been sitting there with the big pot the whole time being like, all right, and you got this other guy going all in with you. So I don't know. I feel as though the pressure is all on City. Oh, 100%. Christian, I'll let you have the last word on that one. Great point, Kevin. No one thought Chelsea would make it to the final. I know we we, we talked to a Chelsea fan, um, one of Ronnie's friend, and we're like, you know, maybe they can make it to the quarterfinals. You guys can be happy. She's like, yeah, I'll be happy. Fine. They can make it to the semifinals. I'll be super happier, uh, but never to the finals. So um, I do think, like, they also did have expectations because they they, they spent $200 million on, on the players they got this year. Um there is a personal, I guess, pressure for Tuchel, right? Because he went to the Champions League final and he lost it. He's going to another Champions League final. If he loses, is, he, is it going to be the same thing with club where he loses five finals and then the sixth one, then he gets, uh, you know, to lift it with, uh, with Liverpool. So I guess there are personal battles. Uh, but yeah, obviously right now, Man City, they, they've been together for four or five years. I think that uh, Guardiola has heard enough Guardiola uh, messages uh, online and in person or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think this is this is the time to prove. I don't want to say that money can buy you trophies because what he has done is uh, is 
you know, it, it, it's not an easy feat. You know, I, I think he has put a great team together and just not just talent because you got to be able to combine that and the consistency that Guardiola has shown over the years. You know, he's been knocked out of the Champions League because of away goals all the three, four times that he's been knocked out. So, you know, there, there are things to analyze. They've been knocking on the door and they finally uh, have done it. They don't have anything to win after that. They've won the Premier League. I know that with, you know, the overthinking, he's pretty much thinking in every single detail that they can take in order to, to beat Chelsea. And I'm sure Tuchel is doing the same. But yeah, uh, Chelsea, um, sorry, City has uh, the, the bigger pressure on this one. And, uh, but I think he'll be able to overcome it. 100% Christian. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, money can't buy a Champions League. I think Manchester United is a prime example of that. Look how much that, how much money they spend on the roster. Look at Real Madrid, how much money they spend on the roster. So these, some of these top teams, you know, kudos to both teams. I'm making it this far for sure. And just lastly, uh, before we get into some fan questions, it's kind of like a fun rap, rapid fire round on a couple other topics. Uh, fellas, I wanted to get your quick takes on just final predictions. You guys are on record here with the Soccer Subs podcast. Just kind of like a, a solid prediction on who's taking it all on the 29th. And uh, Eric, I'll start off with you. Just a prediction on who's winning. Maybe a score prediction if you want as well for extra points. <laughs> oh, man. I got City winning. I got them winning. I'm looking for the octopus. Hold up. I got them winning 3-1 in extra time. Beautiful. Our boy, Hugh. Uh, I'll go the opposite. I got Chelsea taking it 2-1. Our boy Sebastian North. I'm going to do something strange here and counter everything I've said and say Man City, actually. And I will go with on a penalty shootout after a 1-1 draw. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Kevin Kevin Pettit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with City. I'm going to stick with City. I'm going to say 2-1. And I just want Pulisic to get a goal, man. A Champions League final for an American. That'd be, that'd be pretty sweet, man. I want that. So, yeah, 2-1. 100%. Christian. Uh, Martin, Martin is going to be mad at you, Kevin, after he hears this. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think Chelsea three zero. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Hold on, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say Man City. Man City. No, no, no. My, my fault. My, I don't know what I was. I was looking at a Sebastian's jersey. Uh, hold on one second. Man City three zero. But the last two goals are going to come like in the 80th minute. Oh, man. And for me, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I, you know, after, and I appreciate Sebastian and Kevin being on with us, but so many good points, so much good, so much good talk here as a just Chelsea fan and everything we've just talked about. I really got to say that I just can't put this Man City team behind us. And I'm going just like Sebastian North, opposite of what I believe, but as much as I want Chelsea to, uh, Chelsea to win, I'm going Man City 2-1. So that's my take on that one. All right, fellas, before we call it a day here, we got a couple of fun topics just to talk about. These are just some fan questions that came in from us on, from Instagram. Just a couple, you know, some more. We're calling this a rapid fire round. Uh, we're talking about teams that we're not talking about today. Obviously, Man City, Chelsea. So we're talking real quick. Juve, if you are Juve's owner, what are you changing for next season? What do you think on just Juve not making it, possibly not even to the Champions League for next season? Just what are some things you're changing for Juve? Eric, I'll start off with you. I know you've been heated on this one. Eric, start off real quick. Quick take on that one. This is a rapid fire round. What am I doing with Juve? What am I doing with Juve? Oh, my. Let's start with that midfield. I'm getting rid of every single midfielder there. That's encore. Oh, my goodness. Um, Arthur? Loves to party more than that. Actually, 
I'm sorry, there is one bright spot. McKenney, McKenney, the American. Oh my God, he's so amazing. He just presses and he, he's been one of the standout underrated stars for this Juventus side. But listen, I'm getting a completely new midfield. I'm getting a midfielder who can create. I'm getting another defender to partner with the Lick because Bonucci and Chiellini, they are way past their prime at this point. I'm getting fullbacks that can... I mean, Cuadrado has had a fantastic season, but I'm getting a better left back. Alexandro, I'm sorry you've had an awful season. And I'm getting Ronaldo help up front. The guy is 37 years old. Yes, he's been amazing throughout his whole career, but please, Morata is not going to do it for you. Kulusevski, I think he's still too young. Dybala, Dybala has been injured far too much. And Kiesa, Kiesa actually has been magic this season. I won't lie about that. But yes, definitely assistance in the creative front of Juventus side. Hey, Eric. I'm sacking Pirlo. I'm sorry. I'm sacking Pirlo because Christ's sake. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought I, I thought we would go like we went from Allegri to Sari, who's Allegri 2.0, and then we got Pirlo who uh, uh I'm just you know I, I I just can't I can't please bring back Allegri at this point. <laughs> uh he that's gonna be hard to, to you know follow against Eric, but just here real quick, uh what are some things you probably change on Juve for the upcoming season? I think I got to just default to what Eric is saying here because I I think Juve just needs a, a reshuffling of a pack. I think maybe you give Pirlo an extra year just to, to like try and fix things up. But the issue, I feel bad for Pirlo because Pirlo could have been one of the best managers of all time. The issue is he got a really high pressure job way too quickly with a team that was missing way too much. So he like there was no way he was going to do well. So, you know, I, I think maybe keep Pirlo around, but, you know, there's a lot of structural reshuffling that needs to happen within the team. So I think, you know, signing players, getting rid of a lot of players, and maybe even getting rid of Ronaldo. I think that might be a, a good step uh, in terms of rebuilding. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know where he would go. So maybe they might as well just keep him. But Hey, you heard it here from Hugh first. Our boy Sebastian North, real quick. Uh, what would you change from Juve? Would you sack Pirlo? You know, I'm not I'm not one for loving to go and ask for managers to be sacked. I actually think that Hugh made up Hugh really came up with a good point here and, and touched on something important. How about the person who replaces Andrea Agnelli is not someone who has a giant black hole in the middle of their chest? Uh, that would be nice. Um, because they top down right now, they operate like the fat lady that's done singing instead of the classy old lady that they should be. So I think it's structural issues from the top. How many players do they have in the squad? How many? I, I literally don't even know. It's so many from free transfers and everything. Who's important? Who's supposed to be there? I'm with you. Give Pirlo one more season to find out if he's actually a mug or not. And let's, yeah, they, they need, they need clearly some kind of top-down change and someone to replace Agnelli that's better. That's what I would say. I uh, appreciate that, Sebastian. Our boy Kevin, real quick, uh, anything you would change from Juve or your second Pirlo? Yeah, who designed their new <laughs> kit? Who designed their new jersey? That thing is trash, horrible. It looks like it has a PS2 game cover underneath the Jeep logo. It is disgusting. Oh, um, style. I no, I I think it's just it's gross. You ruined a good thing. You ruined it. You soiled it. And I'm here with you. I get it, Ronaldo. He will get you a ton of money. There is a big rebuild. It seems that needs to go on. And Pirlo walked into the job a lot like Frank Lampard, for being honest. Sebastian walked into a club, former legend, and kind of got screwed with super high expectations. He wasn't prepared for. So, I I think Pirlo deserves the sack. I mean. 
But is it, you know, his fault? Absolutely not. This squad is garbage. And, you know, play more Weston McKinney. That's what I'll say. Fix the squad, play more Weston, fix your kit. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> we love that take, man. Thank you so much. Christian, I'll let you have the last word on that one. All I saw on Instagram today was that uh, Ronaldo has sent his people to pick up his cars and send it somewhere else. So I think Ronaldo's leaving, um, That which probably means that Pirlo's probably staying. I also do think like I, did he even coach the the U20s or the the young the the youth team that he was supposed to because that was ideally the first thing he was going to do and then you put him out you know and manage uh, a for team two weeks. A lot of ex- for two weeks right yeah Not so you know that that's you know the, that's a whole different story um so you can't just you got to be prepared i think we 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 talked to um Tab Ramos, and he said the same thing. He had some hard takes on Ole. And he said, you know, some of these people just plays in the job and, you know, they have to go through a process. And I think that's what Pirlo needed. So hopefully after this year, um, he's able to see things that he needs to to do, but uh, more character on the team as well, because sometimes they look very uh, weak. They, they, they Sometimes they, I didn't see that fighting spirit that they used to have years back. 100%. Thanks, Christian, for that. Um, another fan question real quick. Are Real Madrid in trouble if Zinedine Zidane is leaving? We've been hearing rumors that Real Madrid might be in rebuilding mode next season. Eric, I'll start that one off with you again. Quick take on that one. Oh, man, I have to be the Madrid fan answering this question. But um, listen, I, I think Madrid, Perez, he, said he has such a big ego. It happened with Ronaldo. It happened with club legends like Iker Casillas. You know, just give the man what he wants. Gives it down the players that he wants. If he wants uh, Mbappe, if he wants Haaland, listen, I know it's a lot of money, but give him the players that he wants. You sign these players that he doesn't really want, and I don't think you're working with the head coach. If Zidane leaves, I, I personally think, listen, there's talks about Raul. There's talks about Maximiliano Allegri, which I am scared of because we'll be in the same position that we were in Juve will be one up, and then he'll start parking the bus in the 45th minute. Listen, don't sack Zidane. I hope Zidane doesn't leave. Give Sergio Ramos that contract extension. I do not want to see him in a PSG jersey. I want him to retire at Madrid. Oh, man. Listen, I just don't want Zidane to get sacked. I believe he should stay. I believe Perez. If you want the fans to forget about the whole Super League stuff, just do whatever you can to get Zidane to stay and sign Mbappe, please. I appreciate that, Eric. Our boy here real quick. Are Real Madrid in trouble if Zidane leaves? Yeah, I think we are. I think the short answer is we definitely are, but only really for a season because last time Zidane left, we were like this close to getting back to where we needed to be without him. And then when we re-signed him, like we got back to where we needed to be. But I think we were close enough to being able to rebuild without him. But that's a debatable topic for another. I mean, my thing is, like, I just don't know why he would leave because the only thing he could be pursuing would be a national team job. And I maybe he's hoping that Deschamps gets sacked after the Euros, but I don't see that happening. So, you know, I, I really don't know why, like, what sort of what other job he'd be looking for. If it's just Paris being a stickler, then it's sort of like a stupid issue. And we should... Like, like everyone should get over themselves as quickly as possible because, you know, we, we sort of need Perez and Zidane working in tandem. 
Speaking of the Euros, though, I think Real Madrid have a have have a great asset in the fact that Karim Benzema has been called up to the French national team for the first time in six years, which is my favorite news of the entire week. Um, so, you know, even if we lose Zinedine Zidane, all I'm saying is that you know, and 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 this may raise a few eyebrows. The starting striker for the French for the French men's national team is going to be playing at Real Madrid. So, you know, I think. Worst comes to worst, we've still got some cards in the deck. And I think we can we can deal without Zidane if necessary, but I just prefer we don't. I appreciate that, Hugh. Our boy Sebastian North, real quick. Uh, are Real Madrid in trouble if uh, Zidane, Zinedine Zidane leaves? Depends who they ch- put in place of him. I mean, you know, they went with Santiago Solari. You know, we, we've talked about how club legends who just show up as players who have not got genuine experience in the job struggle uh there are plenty of managers out there who are good who um are experienced who would be willing to walk into this cauldron uh the question is is i mean zidane's like papa zidane right like a guy who's able to turn lucas vasquez into a right back i mean you need only you have to have so much buy-in for this this coach if you're going to do that as an attacking winger which he used to be Look, Modric, Cruz, Benzema, Casemiro were the best players this season. They're all aging. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Zidane sees this as a good time to just walk away, considering the France job probably will open up after the Qatar World Cup in 2022. I'm pretty sure Deschamps has said he's planning on just being done then, hoping to take another couple titles. But I don't think Real Madrid are in trouble. I mean, I think it's more a question of can they get rid of the insane amount of dead weight they have on their payroll and replace it with players that are good and are dying to play at Real Madrid. Someone like Federico Valverde. I mean, they need a couple more of him, you know, and I think they're, I think they're fine. Real Madrid are always fine. They're never going away. They're always the behemoth. So even if it takes a year to sleep, like you said, they'll, they'll be back roaring in no time. Appreciate that, Sebastian. Our boy Kevin Pettit, real quick. Uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid in trouble if uh, Zinedine Zidane leaves. No, I think it would be mutually beneficial to both parties. I really think so. I think when you look at like how Zidane walked into this club, got a three-peat like it was nothing in the Champions League, and all, all those players in their prime crushing it. Ronaldo, Cruz, Modric, uh, Marcelo, back when he used to defend. I feel as though we had a squad that you know, was ready to win. And you had Zidane, who's a big personality, a top five player of all time, top 10, depending on who you talk to. And he was able to handle those type of personalities. He's not a rebuild guy. He is a win now. This squad is not win now. They've had a couple flop signings. They had a couple, uh, most of their squad is aging. I feel like they need a rebuild. And I think like you guys are saying, Zidane's like, all right, he either goes to France, which are obviously win now um or he you know goes to another big club and goes like all right give me someone like like Bayern Munich would be a perfect place for him to go right now with uh what's his name leaving to go to the German national team and uh he, he would be great there that he's in a win now mood so yeah I think it'd be mutually beneficial Christian last word last word on that one no that was a great take from from Kevin uh I just one thing is like you you can debate success and you mentioned it three Champions League uh I don't think he's going to get fired from the job. Uh, any team would love to pick up Zidane at the moment. So I, I do think like that yeah, there are pieces away from being competitive again. 
Um, yeah, Modric and and Kroos are older, but they're still playing well. Like uh, uh, the games that they play in the Champions League, they were pretty move, uh, pretty good moving the ball, technical abilities there. But I do see that the, what you said also, Sebastian Valverde was 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 great as well. So you need that type of fighting spirit again in Real Madrid. Uh, you don't want to end up like Juventus, so you'll be double as upset, uh, Eric. So hopefully they 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 move things around so the team can be competitive and La Liga can be competitive too. Because I don't even know if Messi staying and, and and stuff like that. So that could change the game as well. Appreciate that question. I think we'll, I'll ask one of the last questions here in regards to PSG. We just saw Neymar uh, re-signing for another, I believe, four years through 2025. So I just wanted to ask you guys again, can PSG make it to the Champions League final again, similar to last season? Eric, I'll start that one off with you real quick. Thoughts on PSG? Can they repeat success from last season? PSG is never reaching another UCL final. <laughs> I'll flat out say that. No, uh, I think PSG are one of the most mediocre top teams in the world they have boast all this talent they have players like Neymar Kylian Mbappe Mauricio Icardi they have Marquinhos in the back they couldn't win it with Slatan. they couldn't win it with Thiago Silva they make all these million dollar signings they have a wage bill of a billion dollars over the past I don't know what decade or so and they can't do it at this point listen uh winning league on isn't that much of a accomplishment with the a final. Come on now, come on! You're facing clubs like Leo and Monaco. Credit to Leo at the moment because they are top of the table. They've done a fantastic job this season. Players like Bamba and Renato Sanchez and the Turkish striker who Yilmaz, who has had a fantastic season. Congrats, props to them. But come on now, PSG, you you just you just bottle it. I'm sorry. I listen. I'm sorry for the Neymar fans. I'm sorry for the you know <laughs> French league fans. But um. PSG is never reaching another UCL final. Next season, I think these teams are definitely going to... Uh, you're going to have a stronger Chelsea side. You're going to have a stronger Barcelona side. Madrid, if they manage to make some big signings, you're going to have a stronger Madrid side. You're going to have a more hungry Atletico Madrid side. All these teams are definitely going to learn from this season and get better. I do not believe PSG are going to have a cakewalk like this season they did. For the French League fans, uh, luckily, Eric has been wrong in all the predictions. So don't, don't, don't mind... <laughs> Hey, our boy Hugh, real quick, PSG thoughts on uh, Neymar re-signing and can they make it to the Champions League this upcoming season? Neymar re-signing is fine for them, but I think it was unnecessary to slap him on for four years. I, I really don't understand that move. I've talked about this a lot before. I think Neymar's a great player, but if you're trying to build a team that's going to be serial winners, you're not going to build it around him. He's a great accessory to a really good winning team, but he's not the like cornerstone of one. And the reason that he's won one Champions League is because he played as one of like, okay, this is going to be a really strange analogy, but imagine like the, that Barca team is a Swiss army knife, right? Neymar was like the cool bottle, like the cool wine corkscrew opener thing on the end of it, right? <laughs> it's like really cool to look at. And when you need it to do its thing, it does it really well. But like, if you try to build a Swiss army knife around the corkscrew, like you can't build a Swiss army knife around that. So, you know, I think if they're going to try to build a franchise team, they can't build it around him. They need the body of the knife, which is, you know, Messi, Iniesta, a player who you can force a team to be centered around. And I think they just don't have that. And it's very difficult to have that. However, I disagree with Eric that they won't get to a final again. 
I think their academy program is so strong that eventually there will become a point in time where they will realize that their academy players are good enough that if they start signing academy players and playing them the way they should, they can turn themselves into the French Barca because they have the resources, they have the academy players, and they have the technical development. I think they could just do it like that. If they stop signing Galacticos, they could turn themselves into an academy team and they'd be fine. And I think once they try that, there's a decent chance that they'll start winning stuff. And, you know, I mean, look, they're not even winning league on right now, right? They've got to do something. And I think their academy is the, the first place to start. Let me remind anyone who didn't, who doesn't know, the reason they lost the Champions League last year was because an academy player scored a goal against them because he was signed off to another team because they were bringing in big players who were taking up those spots, big name players who are the cool corkscrew thing on the end of the Swiss Army knife. They need those academy players. That's how they'll win stuff. Signing Neymar on for four years. It'll sell you some jerseys, but it won't make you any trophies. And I don't think they're going to win anything after this. I appreciate that. Our boy Sebastian North, thoughts on Neymar resigning? And can PSG make it to the Champions League final again next season? You know, Hugh actually just touched on a bunch of the things that I was that I was thinking. The, the, he's the pretty good, about, right? Yeah, he's pretty good. Well, no, the, the reality <laughs> is what he said about their academy is huge because Mike Mignon, who is the starting goalkeeper at Lille right now, who has had a monster season, came from their academy. Bubakari Sumare, who's being linked to every single club in England. Uh, I think Jonathan Bamba's from there. I mean, it, it is actually some of the core of Lille's team that is currently helping them get to and and have been good so far. So that I think is a really important thing to mention that right now their their strategy has been who can we get and then what if they lose Verratti, right? I've heard Tuchel wants to to get Verratti. I mean, that would cripple them. I mean, that he's so important to their midfield and I agree that look Eric was right. I think they're one of the most mediocre big teams there is when you look at the depth of the squad. Um, and so re-signing Neymar, I mean, they've got a lot of money, so I hope that they can actually like, you know, build a squad that can actually help around him because I don't really think he got it as a, is a vi- viable solution for the future. And, you know, if they do bring their Academy products up and in and actually start using them, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and bought all those guys back. Right. And, and I, I think that's a huge piece, but Neymar, here's what I'd say. He's not great for Paris. He's amazing for the French league because he's a, it is a spectacle that fans in Bastia, Metz, Angers, these tiny, these little cities to see Neymar and Mbappe come to town. It's awesome. But is he good for PSG and re-signing? Yeah. I'm kind of with you guys. I don't really think so. And I, I, I do not see them being champions league finalists for quite some time. I, I don't. Yeah. Appreciate that, Sebastian. Kevin, real quick, just your thoughts on Neymar signing and can and can PSG make it to the Champions League final next season? On the Neymar signing, I'll start there. Um, I think it's a good move. What I think he does too much is play hero ball where he doesn't trust his teammates and he just kind of like put the team on his back and will it into existence. It's just so funny, man, with Neymar. Like he was living in the shadow of Messi and then Mbappe just overshadows him. He went to get as far as away from Messi. And then you got this little 18-year-old kid just come up and overshadow him and just, you know, boss him around. Like when you think of PSG now, do you think Neymar first? No, you think Mbappe. (laughs) So 
I don't know. I feel like you guys like Man City. People said this about Man City for years. Oh, like, you know, they'll never make it to a final. They'll never. No, dude. I think PSG, they made it last year. They're probably going to get Harry Kane this summer. That front three, Mbappe, Kane, and Neymar, would that be the deadliest three in Europe? Yes, easily. I, I feel as though they have infinite funds. It's just when, when will it happen? I feel as though they're in a great place to get back into the Champions League final. Again, death is an issue, but that's nothing money can't solve. They get a few few youth team members. Like, they get one Phil Foden. Who, who's all the youth on Man City? Phil, everyone looks at Phil Foden. Who else? Yeah, it's like, no, they get a few youth, a few signings. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. Oh, 100%, Kevin. No, I totally forgot, you know, Harry Kane might be available coming up soon. So, PSG could definitely be a front runner for that. Christian Potch. Sorry, him and Potch again. For sure, yeah. Together. 100%. Yeah. Christian, I'll let you have the last word on that one as well. No, great points. I just think that uh, they they messed it up last year when they let go of Thiago Silva and Tuchel. You know, I think they had a good thing going. And, uh, you know, now they're trying to sign Ramos, who's uh, he might be older than Thiago Silva. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I love the points about the academy. I do think that PSG have a, a, a very decent squad to continue to fight in the Champions League. They've done that in the past couple of years now. Now they're not just like the Cinderella's like, oh, or, or the bad luck team that can never go through the stages. Now they look like serious contenders, right? Every time we think of uh, finalists, we think Bayern Munich, uh, Man City, PSG, all these big teams. Uh, with that being said, I don't know. Mbappe seemed like he wasn't happy staying with uh, PSG. And Florentino has been trying to pull the trigger. I don't know why he has been taking so long. So, you know, I don't know if he, if Mbappe ends up leaving, then I think the chances uh, of being a, a, a finalist, it will be definitely lessened. And also with Neymar, like I, I also agree with you, Hugh, he's a supporting uh, actor, right? The supporting actor role. But he tries to be a leader at times. Uh, but I think the mentality is still not there, unfortunately. And, you know, he's getting older. So at some point, he's he's got to be able to take responsibility for the team and lead them to a final again. So I don't know. I It just depends on what happens this summer, to be honest. All right. I appreciate that, Christian. Well, for the soccer fans, we really hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. We hope you enjoyed the breakdown from predictions to strengths, weaknesses, upcoming predictions. Uh, we hope you enjoyed everything. We want to give a huge thanks to Sebastian North aka campfire football we want to give a huge thanks to kevin pettit from the lads podcast oh. yeah thank you guys so much for being on with us kevin i want to start off with you we're going to head out soon but definitely want to want to give you an opportunity please shout out your handles how can soccer fans find your podcast and yeah want to say thank you so much for being on with us oh man this was so nice this is this is really sweet so thank you so much for i got to hang out with the boys and talk some soccer so uh you know you can follow us on instagram at lads podcast you can listen to us on all the streaming services spotify apple a lot of americans discussing soccer and uh yeah we also have a discord which is a lot of fun we have like a bunch of people in there and we hang out and talk soccer and drinking and stuff so yeah it's a good time so thank you again for having me this is a lot of fun Oh, appreciate it, Kevin. Our boy, Sebastian North, uh, same goes to you. Thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, we got to get out of here, but please shout out your handles. How can soccer fans find you? And yeah, any last words before we get out of here? Campfire football. It's pretty easy. It's like there's nothing else. Like, no, no one else is called Campfire Football, so that's easy to find. Uh, on Instagram, YouTube, uh, keeping up with those, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that business. And no, once again, thanks a lot, guys. You guys, have, you guys, uh, your, your guests are people that I look forward to every week because 
it really does feel like a touch from my generation. It's so many people that I'm like, oh man, ah, I'm glad I can hear from you. And it's not someone that, you know, is just the most, the flavor of the month. You guys are picking people that really speak to me. And so I, and I, I love the way you guys interview. Thanks so much for having us, us two on and really great to do this kind of little crossover episode. Really enjoyed it. Uh, 100%. It was long overdue, and, and we can't thank you guys so much uh, for being on with us. Eric, I'll let you say peace out to the fans real quick. Oh, everyone, thanks for listening. I want to thank again Kevin and Sebastian for the crossover episode. It was really fun. I look forward to, you know, possibly, you know, more episodes in the future where we work together. You know, we have Euros coming up, Copa America, World Cup. You know, you never know. I look forward to it, and thanks for listening, everyone. And Hugh, you know what to do. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to check us out on our Instagram at soccer subs podcast. We also post things on our Twitter. Yep. So if you want to get sort of short clips, short updates, guests we're having on the show, we want to get a brief insight into anything that's going on here at the soccer subs, make sure to check us out on our social media platforms. And I know the guys already shouted them out, but I, I, I would be amiss if I didn't also say, make sure to go follow lads podcast on Instagram uh, and campfire football as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us been great yep so keep us all up to date on your social media if you enjoy the content and you want to see more because that's where you're going to see everything that's coming up and what we're talking about who we're talking to and when we're talking about it and christian i'll let you have the last word thank you so much to kevin and sebastian i know i've texted you i know i said it before we were recorded you guys really just helped me or motivate me to do to listen, to, to learn from you guys. And you guys do it in such a way that, 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 that speaks in volumes. And, and I admire both of you. So I really, I'm really happy that we, uh, we were able to do this and hopefully it's not the last time. And yeah, whenever, uh, Kevin, you visit us in New York or Sebastian, you're in New York, you know, you got a home here and, uh, we would love to, to, to see you in person. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, soccer fans, as, as for myself, we want to definitely want to give a huge thanks again to Kevin and Sebastian for being on with us. Definitely give us a follow on Soccer Sus Podcast at Gmail. Also, while you're at it, definitely give Kevin a, a follow at Last Podcast and Sebastian a, a follow as well on Campfire Football. Hopefully, we have many more episodes with them to come. We'll be back for episode 26 to see if our predictions came out right, who got it right, who, who got it wrong. We'll definitely give them a shout out on a page. And yeah, I mean, we definitely connect with these two podcasts just because I feel like, you know, we don't we don't pay attention to much of the followers and, and everything. We do it for the passion. We do it for you guys. And definitely, please keep, keep giving us um, your questions. Please giving us a DMs. You guys are our motivation to keep going. Uh, we'll be back for episode 26 with another big guest. But uh, as for now, thank you guys for everything. Thank you guys for the support. And we will see you guys for next episode, episode 26. We are at. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Oh, 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 o